0: I love to go up and be with the men on Friday night or with whoever it is when the when the um, transformation weekends are, are happening. Uh, they always let me come up and talk about life in the Holy Spirit. And I'm always amazed because I kind of forget how far we've come and I kind of forget... Um, A lot of times how other people think and so every once in a while when somebody comes into our group that's not not at all accustomed to us and uh, they begin to talk uh, and ask me questions that almost sound foreign to me now and I say that because uh, we we are a people at this church that that we we have we have twin values that are central to everything we're doing the word of God and the Spirit of God, word and spirit. It really is spirit and word, because spirit is first. And um, I find so very easily that that that, um, that it's very strange when when things that you value at the highest are strange to other people, and. Uh, So when I talk about the Spirit now, I do it in in, in highly experiential ways. And I do it where I talk about experiencing the Son in salvation, experiencing the Spirit in fullness, and experiencing the fatherly relationship of, of the Father. And So I'm really like pressed in on all three, I'll, and I, I like to give testimony about all three. I'm, I'm uh, I like to I like to give testimony of of encountering all three persons of the Trinity in uh, unique ways. And I'm pressing this because I want everyone to. To, to not know about God, but to know God. I want everyone to experience God, taste, and see that He is good. I want, I want the encounter with God. By the way, this is one of the things that was uh, also unique. Um, uh, Hugh Floyd taught about transformational prayer. And Shona usually teaches that, uh, that part of our ministry when we do Transformation Weekend. The beautiful thing about transformational prayer... Is that it is designed in such a way that unless you encounter God himself, nothing happens. And what it is, it's designed in a way for people to easily uh, realize that the veil is thinner than you think. God is not hiding from us. And he's, he's ready to, to speak to us. So for a lot of people, the experience of hearing God is one of the, one of the first encounters. In, in fact, let's, let's just have some fun. Um, I'm going to ask you in just a minute, and I'll ask for a raise of hands, but I'm going to ask you, have, have you uh, experienced hearing the voice of God either audibly or uh, in your mind and heart or in a way of knowing or in a dream or a vision? Just want to I just want to know, have you experienced God? Look, okay, boom. Boom, 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 boom. Okay, it's like almost universal. But it's very strange for me when I'm around when I'm around uh, groups who who have a natural distrust for the idea that God can be experienced that way. And there's lots of people that way. the you know, funny thing about our religious faith is that. Is that uh, you can have an experience of God, and then later on uh, you can go through some things and you can look back and doubt your own experience because I got saved because God was speaking to me. It was just one of those things He just kept calling me, and I just kept saying i don 't know where you are or what you want <laughs> and, and and my and my prayer my prayer of salvation was not, lord, I believe in you it 's lord if you, if you really want me <laughs> If you can do anything with this one, you got it. And um, and then I got on involved in a very word-based faith. And there with actually went through a period of time where I said, well, I wonder if you can hear God's voice. Because what had happened was I had started so funneling all my hearing of God through the scriptures that i that i that i stopped experiencing the dynamic voice of god in my life and literally had to rekindle it you understand that right um but for lots of people if they if they just come from that word based thing they're taught to be suspicious now i just say no filter everything don't even be suspicious just filter it the proper way is this the voice of God? Does it measure up to the character of God, the nature of God, the word of God, and, and so forth? Well, um, Transformation Weekend is, is the idea that the only way we get transformed is by ongoing encounters with God. Right? The, the, the biggest one being the reception of the Holy Spirit in salvation. Uh, and i And I do say it that way, because so be sure you know I know that you 're confessing Jesus as Lord and receiving the Holy Spirit as God come to live in you and it, what happens to us is. We live in an environment where these things are so common to us that we don't take time to explain them. And then every once in a while, somebody new will come into our midst, and they'll go, "What are you all talking about?" And especially when we use some of our language, some some of our language, you know, uh, <laughs> when you when you say you got wrecked by God, or when you when you say, you know, when you say something like that, people go. Really? <laughs> 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 and and um, what we're doing this year is I'm going backwards with the covenant. I'm starting with it's all accomplished. And I'm going, how do we get here? So last week I started in Galatians and I'm going to reconnect you to Galatians, because here's what happened. Last week was a was Balloon Fiesta week, and oh boy, <laughs> we still have not figured out how to be the, be a church in, in balloon country. <laughs> um, if you're wondering what I mean by that, we actually can't get to the building uh, during the balloon fiesta, so it's kind of tough on Saturday night and Sunday morning, but um, we still haven't figured it out. Uh, we're going to try it again. Well, we're going to try until we get it, right? Let's just keep going. Uh, But anyway, that made us uh, a little bit off kilter. And so you're going to get a little bit of what they got last week. Now, the Spirit and the Bride say come is a passage in the book of Revelation. And I'm not going there. I'm going to Galatians and Romans. Because... You and I are the people of God. We are the bride of Christ. And we are the representation of Jesus to the world. And I'm going to tell you something. Jesus is going to get himself represented to his world. It's just straight up going to do it. The beautiful thing is that you and I get to come to understand that he has chosen to do it in us. He has chosen to temple himself in us literally in our bodies and then in our corporate body. So we're figuring out how to host the presence of God and how to corporately host the gift of God. And this is our this is a big part of our mission. And what I want to say to you is anyone here who is You feel like yourself, that you're experientially impoverished from what you want from God. You're in the right church because we're going to get you there. Because we're going to keep pressing in with that. So let's read Galatians. I'm going to read a few passages. Uh, I'm going to read what I did last week. First Paul's witness to Galatia. Oh foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before, it it was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you this. Did you receive the spirit by the works of the law or the hearing of faith? Now, you know, if you know your Bible, you know he's, he's in the debate between the early Jews and the, and the early believers, Gentiles, as to, as to what it meant to follow, to be in the family of God. And so some of them are, thinking that in order to be in the family of God, they have to keep the Jewish law. So he's, he's, he's countering that argument. And he's saying, let me ask you, did you receive the spirit by the law, by keeping the law, or by the hearing of faith? And this is really fun, because I'll make this real easy on you. Anyone who hears and believes, Receives. There's something that God has done that it's about hearing, that when people hear, there's something made alive inside of them that believes, and we long for him and say yes to him. Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? And what he means by being perfected by the flesh is by keeping Torah. I did this last week, so I'm, I'm going to go pretty fast through this part. Did you suffer so many things in vain? Now, both of these passages in Romans and Galatians make it plain that for the early church, suffering was an aspect of being a Christian. If there's anything we are averse to, it's suffering. And I think we're more averse to it than we've ever been. And, and I, you guys hear me a lot these days talking about not, not being fragile. And um, I won't do that today either. Did you suffer so many things in vain? If indeed it was in vain, does he who supplies... And Steve, it's your translation that you gave me that, impart, that, that, that translates that word imparts. Or when I say you gave me, you told me about it. David Bentley? David? Yeah. He's the one that actually translates that passage. Does he who imparts the spirit to you? Now, this is a big, big thing. Because in this church, we are very big about imparting the Holy Spirit and that God imparts the Spirit to us and that we can participate in the impartation of the Spirit to one another. And this is a real big deal because I used to mock that. Am I, did, anybody else, did anybody else ever say, you can't lay hands on some people and something happened to them? Am I the only one? i probably the only one. <laughs> I did. I would, I, would, I would mock that. But then what happened was I kept watching it. And I kept going, something's happening. <laughs> Does he who uh, imparts the spirit to you and works miracles among you. Do so by the works of the law or the hearing of faith. God's main way of evangelism is not to win an argument, but to touch lives. And when we go out and do street evangelism, it's not to do arguments with people. It's to do miracles among people. It's to prophesy. It's it's to heal the sick and it's to and it's to do acts of mercy and it's and it's to um, manifest the love of God so if you ever see somebody out there yelling at people and condemning people if they claim to be from our church they're not and if they are stop them and bring them to me (laughs) Because um, that's that's not how we do the main way that people get changed is by being touched. The main way that people get changed is by experiencing God. The main way that people get changed is because, listen, even if you're preaching, don't, you understand that when I say preaching, I'm not preaching is not an argument, but preaching is an impartation. In fact, preaching is. Um, well, I don't, I don't want to stir the waters too much, but 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 preaching is an act of grace whereby a transaction happens and a miracle occurs you hear God instead of man and so it goes on to say just as abraham believed god and it was it was counted to him as righteous as righteousness um abraham will be a theme uh, throughout this throughout this text and what I did last week was I stopped uh, with this next text. Know then that those who are, that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. And and again, a simple thing, but m- most people may not know it if they don't read their Bible. Uh, a son of Abraham in this context is actually the equivalent of being a son of God. It's actually synonymous. those who are of faith, who are the sons of Abraham. Abraham is the guy that, which I have fun sometimes because when I'm teaching on the covenant, I say to people, you know Abraham was not a Jew, right? You do know that, right? <laughs> he, he, he was a Chaldean and a pagan. Now out of him comes the Jewish race. But he was a, he was a pagan, and, and he heard the Lord and believed him. And God said, that's what I'm after. That's what I'm after. I'm after somebody who will believe me. And when it says God counted him as righteous, it doesn't mean he counted him as perfect. It means he counted him as family. You know, if you pay attention to righteous Abraham, he does a lot of things that would offend your sensibilities after he got called righteous. And he didn't lose his family status. So it's fantastic. And the scriptures, foreseeing that God would count righteous, justified, the Gentiles by faith preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham. So that when Abraham was living, he heard the gospel when God said, hey, Abraham, in you, all the nations are going to be blessed. How many of you know that's good news? If God says, I'm going to bless every nation through you, that would be a good word. Wouldn't that be a good word? We'd want that word. Um, so, I guess to be honest with you, you know, when Christians are prophesying, there's always they're always prophesying nations to people. Well, God did it first. All the nations, you get them all, Abraham, all of them. And he um, saying, in, in you, all the nations will be blessed. Now, remember that word, blessed. Now, I've told you before that the power of blessing is actually on all people. But God says, I'm going to make a supernatural power of blessing in you, Abraham. You're not even going to actually do anything else than what you've done. And I'm blessing all the nations through you. So it's through his witness, his testimony, and his offspring. So then those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. Which, which means if you have faith you're an Abraham son because what connected Abraham to God was his faith and that's what connects us to God okay so this is, this is Paul and, he's, and he is making an argument here by the way he's making an argument in the, in the Galatian community uh, dealing with their, their theological construct now I stopped right here last week, and um, it was—it's it's after you get to there that—that I'm—I'm just one of those guys that when I'm studying the Bible over the years of studying the Bible, I can point you to about eight or ten key passages that I would say this passage exploded the Bible inside of me, and this next passage is one of them. And I left it—I didn't go that far last week, and I'm going to go that far this week. Because I'm interested in the blessing of Abraham. If Abraham's going to bless everyone, then what is the blessing of Abraham? And the scriptures are very explicit about what it is. And this is important because Christians argue all the time about what God promised Abraham. And nowhere in the Bible does Abraham fuss about all the things that people say God promised him. (laughs) But we come to this passage and Paul interprets what the blessing of Abraham meant. Because people have a whole lot of ideas. And they'll go back to Genesis 12 and Genesis 15 and, and do a lot of arguments. I'm going to tell you something. If you go back to Genesis 12 and Genesis 15, you can't find what Paul's about to say. It isn't there. Because what was proclaimed in 12 and 15 was unfolded through history and then manifested at the time of Paul and before him. So here it is. For all those who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. In other words, guess what? The law is not the blessing of Abraham. Can we talk? All who rely on the law are under a curse where it's written, Cursed is everyone who does not abide in all the things written in the book of the law and do them. Meaning, that, that you have the law and if you don't keep it all you're under a curse you're not blessed <laughs> well that's big now it is evident that no one is reckoned or counted righteous before God by the law for and he's quoting here both of these passages are quotes from the prophets for the righteous live by faith Not by the law. The law is not a faith. Rather, the one who does them lives by them. So, it's where you live. Now he says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. So, any way that the law puts you under a curse, he says, but Christ redeemed us from that curse. For it is written... Cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. You're getting it, aren't you? So so Jesus, and and that's Deuteronomy, Jesus was hanged on a tree and he became cursed. And the Bible says, um, for us. For Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse on our behalf. Now this is really interesting because this we would have missed. And this is one of the reasons Jesus was so offensive to the Jewish people. Because the Jews knew that their Bible and they knew that if you were hanged on a tree you were cursed. So one of the diabolical schemes of Satan that played out in in mankind was when Jesus died by crucifixion instead of dying by the normal Jewish way of a blasphemer, by stoning. Stephen would later be stoned, but Jesus was crucified. When he was crucified, it was one of the intentions to get... To get the Romans co-opted into this crucifixion thing meant that they would hang him on a tree and it meant that every Jew would say he couldn't be, our, he couldn't be Messiah because he's hanged on a tree. He's cursed by God and man. And Paul said, yeah, that's right. That's what we're bragging about here. Because what Jesus did was remove the curse by becoming the curse for us. This is the love of God in, in in the triune God. This is the love of God being worked out in history in ways that are beyond our understanding. Now, listen, why did he do that? He said, so that in Christ, the blessing of Abraham might come to the gentiles <laughs> and he explains it so that we might receive the promised spirit by faith not by torah this is the whole gospel guys this is this is this is having a gospel this is the really good news get you get this stuff inside you so again I want to say, the reason the Bible says he endured the cross despising the shame was because by being hanged on a tree, he was exposed to be a public shame. He was a disgrace to every Jew. It was, a, it was an ignominious death that no roman citizen could die it was reserved for it was reserved for the worst criminals the worst betrayers among the romans and for uh, the gentiles so the romans eschewed anyone that was crucified the the jews they 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 couldn't oh no no that was the, you're cursed and paul says this is why i'm boasting in the cross of christ He's an offense and he's a scandal. And he's the glory of God. He's the glory of God. Now, don't miss this because I'm giving you that piece. So that in Christ, who is, by the way, Abraham's offspring, that is to say, he's actually in Abraham's family line. So he's the seed of Abraham. When God said to you, to Abraham, he said, in you, I'm going to bless all the, all the nations in your seed. And the Jews said, that means us. And no, Paul said, no, that means him. You too, but you through him and them through him. so that the blessing of Abraham might come to the gentiles that we might receive the promised spirit now you say when was the spirit promised where did that come from well this will be fun cuz by the way my sermon just got changed <laughs> As, as, as we're going it's just now it's been changed because I have a whole lot more in Romans we can get into Romans tonight I can just tell you just not going to get there so, so I, I, I did, when, this, when I read this passage it staggered me and I said that's it I've got 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 it the blessing of Abraham is Holy Spirit blessing of Abraham is Holy Spirit now when was it promised when God promised to bless all the nations and I told you go back to those passages read it he didn't tell him how he just told them here's the promise I have a promise I'm gonna bless all the nations what's the blessing the blessing is I'm the blessing God says Through Abraham, I'm going to give me to all the nations. (laughs) So, listen, uh, you can do a study. This would be the time to preach the sermon. Maybe I will preach on the promise next week. Maybe I'll do that. Because just so you know, I don't have a sermon plan. This thing is getting born every day. (laughs) All right. But... But if you follow the idea of the promise, the Bible actually has one promise. It's really one promise. God says, I'm going to give my life to you. That's the one promise. I'm gonna give my life to you. And thereby, you become my family. You get adopted. You get to say, Abba, my father, my daddy. You get to have a really cool relationship with God. This is why one of our projects in this church is to tell people to be so, quit being so miserable about being the children of God. Anytime I see somebody ought themselves and should everybody else, I know they are miserable Christians. <laughs> because I want you to know, sons and daughters don't live that way. They just act like they own the place. sit on your couch and watch your TV and eat your food. (laughs) Because they're children. It's their family. It's their house. They own the place. And he goes on to say, you're heirs. Well, we go, well, we know we'll, we we do everything. We do this to everything. We say, well, someday we will it. We always think everything comes when we die. No, everything comes now. Yeah. Everything comes now. Now, this is really good news, and we have something really good to say to the the world. What if you go out and say to people, God has a promise for you? What if you went out and said, I have really good news for you. God has a promise for you. What's the promise? He's going to put his life inside of you, his own life, his very own life. He's going to do a transaction inside of you that'll make you a whole new person. <laughs> you talk about home improvements. We got some home improvements. So that in Christ, say in Christ. Okay, it's in Christ, in Christ. Uh, I say this a lot of times, but I love to come back to things that, that I can't get rid of, which is to say in, in, the, in, the, in the epistles the key phrase of all the Pauline epistles is in Christ. The key phrase of all the synoptic gospels is in the kingdom. They mean the same thing. Why? Because the word Christ means anointed king. And how many of you know if you're in the king, that's kind of related to the kingdom? <laughs> if you're in the king, you have the kingdom. This is really good news. This is so beautiful. We've been going out for so long telling people we have good news. Uh, You're separated from God and you're going to hell. But Jesus can rescue you. if If you'll just pray this prayer, Jesus can rescue you. No, we have really good news. The God of all creation has come to you. And he wants to give himself to you. He wants to give himself completely to you. Now, this is fantastic. Because, again, I'm going to say it. So get it. Please get it. Get it. Get it. The promise of Abraham is the Holy Spirit. I got two guys that's got it. I'm I'm preaching here the rest of the night, man. I'm a panderer, man. I'll go anywhere for it. You, you get this. This is you get this tonight, right? Something happened. So a dynamic happened. Faith came by hearing. You're hearing the word of God. It's coming alive inside of you. Say it again. So so that in Christ, in Messiah, yes. The blessing of Abraham, say it. Might come to the Gentiles. So that we might receive. The promised spirit spirit. through faith. Faith. Now let's talk about the promise of the spirit. Because the promise of the spirit was always back there, but it became very overt with Jesus himself. Jesus is the one who said he was going to send the Holy Spirit. But, and I don't have these texts up there because now I'm flying but it's in John when he says, he says I'm going to send you the promise of my father so then you go well, where did that come from because I said well it's Jesus himself who promised the spirit but it was already a promise when Jesus said it <laughs> it was already promised so I'm going to give you the promise of my father Well, but remember this. All four gospels and the book of Acts open with a promise. There's one coming. He's going to baptize you in the Holy Spirit. You know, if something is repeated that often in Scripture, we should pay more attention to it. Well, where did that come from? Since we're going backwards. Where did that come from? And those of you who have been with me a while know it comes from Ezekiel 36, Jeremiah 31, Isaiah 59, Joel chapter 2. There are four prophets who all four told us that Holy Spirit was coming. Ezekiel, he does it by saying he's going to put a new spirit in you. And then he says, in case you miss this, let me tell you about a valley of dry bones and about them coming alive in the Holy Spirit. I might, I might get the whole year preached tonight. Then you go back to Jeremiah. Jeremiah didn't use the word spirit, but he said I'll make a new covenant. Not like the covenant with, a, with the, my fathers, A new covenant, I'm going to give you a new heart. Well, you and I know that then Ezekiel interprets the new heart as new heart, new spirit. So it was also a promise of the spirit. Isaiah is a little different. Isaiah just, and Isaiah, oh man, oh, oh, Isaiah. I would never preach all of Job, but I would preach all of Isaiah. <laughs> Because Isaiah is gospel on page after page after page after page. But I had, I had never seen this. But in in Isaiah chapter 59, in the last few verses, and here I'm going by, by memory. There's a passage tucked in there. And it's it's about the new covenant in the spirit. It's a promise of the new covenant. And, it, and it's where it says this is for you and your children. The interesting thing about that passage, and most people never know it. You see, you come to the New Testament, and we always look for something that's quoted in the New Testament. Then we run back to our Old Testament, and we want to find it exactly quoted. And almost always we get disappointed. Because listen, in the New Covenant, they very often made allusions to passages without quoting them. Because they weren't as stressed out over inerrancy as we are. They, they wanted to get the dump truck unloaded on you. So, in the book of Acts, in chapter 2, you go all the way through that marvelous sermon by Peter, and in the last part, where Peter says, if you, if you repent your sins, believe on Jesus, you'll receive the Holy Spirit... This is for you and your children and all those who believe through your word, which was where he catches us. Well, all of that, that passage has like nine touch points of connection with Isaiah 59. Where Isaiah promises a spirit. And then there's Joel 2. Which is quoted in Acts 2. Behold, I'll pour my spirit on... Okay, now I'm back to the good news you have. I'm back to the good news. I'm sending you out there to the world with really good news. Hey guys, did you know Jesus said he was going to pour his spirit out on... What does that mean? That means you can stand in front of somebody and say, that means he'll pour his spirit out on you. God, the God I serve, wants to pour his spirit out on you. And that's where you get brazen and bold. And you say, they say, well, how'd that happen? Well, I'll pray for you. Yeah, yeah, right. And then you say, do you believe this? Whoop. Yeah. I say, well, how can I believe this? Well, this is what Jesus said he would do. Right. Now you're preaching the Gospel. You're bringing Jesus in. And listen, lots of people, but whether you like it, love it, believe it, loathe it, whatever, lots of people have an experience of God and then go discover who he is. How do you know that? Well, most of you all said he spoke to you outside of the Bible. Can we talk? And I just remember the night I cried out to God. That night I went straight to my room, opened my Bible, read my Bible and went, That's what happened to me shazam (laughs) that just happened to me it's right here and I began to realize this stuff and the beautiful thing about being a Christian this long is I'm constantly realizing what God has done for me and all of the experiences of God were not something. Listen, ever since I came to know Christ, everything that's happened to me, it's not something new that it never happened to me. It's realizing what happened to me when I received Him and coming into the fullness of it by getting my eyes open. Amen. Are you getting this? This is why Paul is constantly praying. Jesus, when he was on the earth, he said, he said, give him eyes to see, ears to hear. He who has eyes, he has ears to hear, let him hear. And, and Paul comes along and says, Lord, let the spirit of revelation come on. What? The church. The people who've already received. Why? Because they don't know what they've gotten hold of. <laughs> We want them to come into the full realization. This is why Paul says, don't you know you're the temple of God? Don't you know? He says, don't you know? Why? Because they don't know. Because they're they're walking in something that they've received, but not yet fully realized. This is the blessing of what it is to know God. You're living inside of a gift that you're unpacking the implications of the gift your whole life. Just like being married to Mama Gail. You get this? This is God, this is our God, this is our King. This is our generous, loving Father who has given and wow is he patient, are you kidding me? I don't know if you know this but Abraham was a long time ago and he wasn't stressed out by the time. He wasn't stressed out by I gotta get this done fast. He took his time. He let it be unfolded. He let people come to confusion. He let people not understand. He's let all kind of things happen while it's unfolding. Why? Well, who can instruct God? So what is he doing now? Something was happening to me in worship tonight. Was these young people were leading us in worship. You know why I love worship? Because I can hear God a lot of times when I worship. And because my bad attitude gets erased when I worship. <laughs> I have a bad attitude, and I just nurture that thing, man. I give give it a lot of attention, feed it, water it, all those things, but I get in the presence of God, and all of a sudden, I'm like, wait a minute, I love people that I don't even like. (laughs) That's what church is all about. You get thrown in together with a bunch of people that I don't really like. Oh, I just love you so much. comes and just manifests himself to me and I was I was was worshiping and suddenly I was seeing the movement of nations away I've never seen it before I was like okay I'm fixing to offend you I'm going to offend your mind to try to reach your heart what if this immigration revolution that's happening all over the world would mean as much to future generations as the immigration originally to this nation meant to the to worldwide evangelism did you hear me yes. what if god displaces whole groups of people that we don't want to see displaced because in his glory and his plan he says i'll raise up a seed for a generation not yet seen, for a people not yet, who've not yet heard. In other words, calm down. (laughs) He knows what he's doing. He actually knows what he's doing and he does it gloriously because here we are, Albuquerque, New Mexico, and the blessing of Abraham has come to us has come to us. One pagan Chaldean walking in the wilderness, worshiping the moon and the sun has an encounter with God. And 4,000 years later, this happens. (laughs) Hallelujah who has known the mind of God and who has been his counselor? But here's what you can do. You can offer yourself to him. (laughs) And I've been doing it so much. We just wear him out by saying, Lord, all I know is here I am. I want you to know, if you understood how glorious God's thoughts are toward you. You wouldn't want to be anybody else.